How's it going, everybody? This is Chris. Welcome to episode two of Generation X Lapsed, where, uh, well, I think this is going to be a short one because uh, there really isn't a whole heck of a lot to say about this issue, unfortunately. Uh, let's hop right in. This is Generation X, volume two, number two. Had a July 2017 cover date, written by Christina Strain, with art by Emilcar Pinna. Colors, Felipe Sobrero with J. David Ramos and Chris Sotomayor. Letters, VCs Clayton Cowles. Edits, Robinson Ketchum, Panizia, and Alonzo. Cover price, $3.99. This one went on sale May 31st of 2017. Now we open with roll call and credits. Now the characters we will be focusing on today will be, uh, well, not limited to these names, but uh, I guess they'll be the primary focus. We got Jubilee. Bling, Kid Omega, Nature Girl, I won't do a woo, uh, Morph, Hindsight, and iBoy. Now we pick up, sort of kind of where we left off last issue, with Quentin Quire cleaning up the room that he and Bling destroyed at the end of last issue. And he does so in a very Quentin Quire sort of way, if we're doing the, uh, you know, inch-deep, mile-wide Quentin Quire. He puts furniture on the ceiling... He uh, crafts a great big sign on the wall that reads, You Suck. Really neat stuff, huh? And uh, like, I, like I said here, it's like this is the quickest and dirtiest that we can get on this character. It's kind of shallow. Um, anyway, he exits the classroom and runs into Brew, who he tells that he thought would be dead by now and expresses great disappointment that he's not. So, oi. Uh, Brew is ushering students into the library as he calmly informs Choir that the purifiers have taken the school under siege. Quentin is pleased by the news because it means he can go kick some butt. We shift scenes to the outside, where several members of our student body, I'm not sure if we can call them Generation X yet, or I suppose ever. Um, Now, anyway, the students are fighting with the purifiers, who seem to have worse aim than a stormtrooper or a bad guy on the A-team. Now we see Chamber, Shark Girl, and Grey Malkin dutifully dodging the bad guy's blasts. Jubilee is just standing there holding Shogo. Headmistress Kitty, in her ridiculously ill-fitting skirt, runs off after telling Jubilee to round up the other students at the library. It's worth noting that they keep calling Jubilee Jubes here, which really annoys me. Um... It feels kind of obnoxious, like it's something they really want to see stick, 
And uh, no, I don't like it. I, I guess maybe that'll be our big Gen X Volume 2 takeaway that we now call Jubilee Jubes. I, ugh. Um, anyway, Kitty runs away, and Jubilee hands Shogo over to Bling to take to the library. And then Quentin Choir shows up all full of P&V and ready to dole out some punishment. But first, he stops to mock Jonas Graymalkin. But instead of making fun of him for being a horrible character, he chooses to mock him for his skin tone and lack of tan. Then Quentin uses his hoodoo to make the purifiers hit themselves, which is apparently a great big no-no. Jubilee orders him to stop because the purifiers are people, not toys. Oh, come the F on with this crap, really? I mean, they... We'll, We'll talk more later. Quentin's like, okay, fine, fine. I'll have them stop punching themselves, and instead I'll have them shoot themselves. Jubilee and the gang just stand there with exaggerated, shocked looks on their pusses, and uh, Jubilee makes sure to show us that she indeed has vampire fangs. Let's shift scenes to the library, where the rest of our cast is there with the humans that they're keeping safe in the library. Now, I don't know if this means that the Xavier School of Botany and Beekeeping is now integrated to include human students, or if these were just poor unfortunates who happened to be touring Central Park when this all went down. I'm guessing it's the latter. I also guess it doesn't matter. Now, one of these humans is rather off-put being quarantined with the mutants, so he's probably not a student. He decides to take out his aggression on Xavier's cross-eyed janitor. I'm not sure if this is someone I ought to recognize, but I don't. Uh, It's worth noting that this human asshole is your average preppy jock white kid, because of course he is. Now, he shoves the janitor who bumps into hindsight, which triggers hindsight's mutant power, you know, where he can see things. It's kind of like Rachel's chrono skimming. We talked about this. We don't get to see exactly what it is that he sees, but he sees something. Then Bling threatens the jock, and, uh, well, he backs down, because of course he does. Hindsight makes sure the janitor is okay. He then reconnects with Morph and... Bling. Why does she have an exclamation point at the end of her name? Uh, he, Nate, Hindsight that is, is apparently so new to the mutant culture that he doesn't appear to realize that uh, humans hate and fear them. I mean, that's kind of on the tin, isn't it? I mean, that's got to be engraved on some sort of sampler or tablet at the school, right? Ben Deeds tells him that he'll get used to it. I mean, has he never, ever heard of human and mutant relations before? Okay. Just then, a purifier busts in the library to liberate the humans from the mutant menace. To which, Nate gives us some millennial speak. You know, rather than crapping his pants at the sight of a Liefeldian Mark 69 gun being aimed at his face, he instead comments that, quote, nobody actually talks like that. You know, because this purifier called them the mutant menace, so... Okay. Um, Back outside, Jubilee jumps on a purifier, and I'm guessing this happens before the bad guys get the opportunity to shoot themselves, though, honestly, I don't even care. Grey Malkin slaps Quentin, which is apparently enough to stop the Omega-level mutant. Okay, then. Now, the student body rounds up the purifiers. However, Jono realizes that there were only 14 here when he originally counted 15. Well, I'm sure glad he has that much attention to detail when he's in a siege situation. Maybe he should be leading this team. We jump back inside, where the rogue purifier is blasting the fish in a barrel and still missing wildly. I mean, do we have to do this? 
if we have a threat, right, and his only the only thing he's got is that he has guns, shouldn't they be better at this? Uh, okay. Now, while the baddie doesn't hit any of the kids, he does manage to hit the table where Nate Carver's Magic the Gathering cards were all spread out. I'm not kidding. Um, now, to this, uh, Nate whinges that the deck that he spent years putting together has been destroyed. This is pretty bad. Um, Nature Girl then runs by with a skunk and sprays the purifier in the face. <laughs> I mean... That might sound like something I'm, I'm making up to joke and poke fun at this, but that is actually what happens here. Unfortunately, it doesn't seal the deal for the good guys. Instead, the purifier uses another gun to fire an electrified net at her, which, if the art's to be believed, renders her into a two-dimensional entity. I mean, the art, the art is kind of iffy to begin with here, but this scene in particular is quite rough. She actually looks flat. Like, she's, like, from the Paper Mario universe here. It's, uh... It's something. Uh, the Purifier then net, nets Bling's wrist, um, and it looks like he's about to land a killing blow when Chamber busts in and blasts him with fire, which is, uh, just so much more humane than Quentin Quire just blowing their brains out. Jubilee then launches into an attack, knees the guy in the face, then KOs him with a sock to the mush. We wrap up... Thankfully, with Jubilee assembling her new team. She claims that they're going to be doing things different than usual, and then proceeds to do the same thing all young X-Men's have done since there were young X-Men teams. Quentin scoffs at the whole deal, stating that, you know, they're only doing this because none of them will ever be good enough to be real X-Men. Now, this seems to really bother Bling, who asks for a little clarification. Jubilee assures her that Quentin is talking out his ass. But honestly, are any of us waiting with bated breath for any of these characters to headline a flagship X-Book? Anybody? No. Nate Carver, hindsight, our POV character, informs Jubilee that he wants to stay at the school. Not in hopes of becoming an X-Man, however, he just wants to learn how to control his powers and then go on to live a normalish life. We close out the issue with Benjamin Deeds approaching Quentin Quire for some small talk. Quire calls him an idiot and it looks as though he's planning on having a little fun with him. Now, what form that fun will take? I guess uh, your guess is as good as mine. So, um... Hmm. You know, I figured I'd go into this and be like, you know, this is just a little too current year for me, right? I figured that would be my big complaint, which that all comes down to being a Chris problem. If you're familiar with the main X-Lapse show, I do break... Challenges I have with these books down into legitimate gripes and Chris problems I assumed that this entire run of Generation X Volume 2 and Into the Legacy Volume Was going to be just rife with Chris problems And don't get me wrong, it is But it's also not Um, This just isn't very good I hate saying something like that I mean, everything is subjective But there was not a single bit of this that I enjoyed um, I mean, Chris problems aside, this just this is just boring. It's boring, it's clunky. I feel like it's trying to say something, but I, I'm not sure what. I mean, let's look at the scene where choir has the uh, the purifiers hitting themselves, right? Seems like a relatively innocent thing to do, right? You know, just like a kind of a bully move. you know, they come in with guns, he just has them punch themselves. 
Okay, I mean, uh, I'd be, I, I, if anything, he's being a little too easy on these guys. But Jubilee has to stand up and be like, no, they're people. And I get what they're going for. I just think it's very stupid. Um, I, I, I think they're trying to make a point here. But part of me wonders, like, what would have happened if Shogo didn't make it to the library? What would have happened if a purifier blew poor Shogo's head off? I wonder if she'd still be, you know, w- you know, worrying about their rights as people. And I mean, don't get me wrong here, Quentin's a dick. We know that. That is like, that's like line one of his Wikipedia entry. This character's a dick. <laughs> and we're used to it. And the th- what he was doing was a bully move. It was a dick move. And uh, at the same time, though, like, th- these, these purifiers were coming in to kill people. They were coming in to blast you know, we can see from the how awful a shot any of these characters are. They didn't care what they hit. They were indiscriminately shooting. <laughs> they were just blasting. They didn't care if they hit a mutant, a human, a squirrel. It did not matter. So having Quentin Quire swoop in and be like, hey, punch yourself in the face a bunch. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I don't think that's that big a deal. <laughs> I think that's kind of an, an okay response. If anything, it's... It's a bit of a benign response in comparison to what we're getting there. Now let's talk a little bit about some current year problems here. And I'm not talking about things like millennial speak. I'm not talking about things like that. Uh, let's talk about just the the direction that this comic is going and how it really reads like just about every team book that has been launched from Marvel or DC for that matter for the past 10 years. I feel like we're going to be spending a lot of time putting this team together and having them, like, sort of learn to coexist. And we know that this series is only going to run 12 issues. Which, I mean, that's kind of the Marvel method right now. I mean, (laughs) we talk about the Marvel style and and how that was a thing back in the day with the artist and writer working in collaboration and stuff like that. The new Marvel style is launch a team book, spend the entirety of the volume having these teammates you'll get to learn each other and work together, then cancel the book. And I feel like that's the direction we're going here. We have sort of a team, but judging from up- upcoming covers, it looks like we're going to be in for a whole lot of fan service from the original volume of Generation X, so I don't know what this team is going to ultimately wind up looking like. So I feel like we're just going to get several issues of team building, and then they're going to just pull the rug out from under us. The only thing I know that happens at the end is that Jubilee is no longer a vampire. <laughs> that's God's honest truth. That's the only reason we're reading this, because I wanted to find out how that happened. And uh, me being the completionist that I am, I couldn't just read the, you know, the one issue where it happens. I'm assuming it's either the last issue, the issue before that, or the issue before that. I don't even know which one it is. So we'll all be surprised together. Well, you know, those of us who haven't read this before, I guess. But all that to say... Um, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this series, and I hate saying that because some of these characters I really, really enjoy. Uh, Jubilee is, uh, you know, she was my Kitty Bride. She was my point-of-view character as I was growing up and becoming an X-Fan, you know? She was the one who was like us, being in awe of all these incredible characters with amazing powers. She was us. And uh, I, seeing what they've done with her is, uh, <laughs> it's kind of rough, uh, Chamber, another great character uh, Quentin Quire, despite being a dick Is a great character, he's a fun character But it, it, I guess context is king And the context of this book just 
really, really, I just, just don't like it very much. Uh, let's talk about um, some other more current year observations here, because this is probably going to be slotted under Chris' problems here. I'm getting the impression from the end of the issue here where Quentin and Benjamin Deeds are kind of talking, and Quentin kind of alludes to having a little bit of fun with him. And I'm getting the sneaking suspicion that uh, the, the direction this book is headed, we're just going to have all of our Generation X team members here coupling. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking we're just going to have... It's going to be like that uh, Marvel Now Young Avengers where, uh, like, rather than actually focus on superhero stuff, it was just like, who's kissing who? Who's dating who? Who's dating who now? And that really isn't what I want from a Generation X book. I mean, I'm all for romance in the comics here, but I feel like I feel like that's going to become the primary focus. And, I mean, that's just something that I've long had a problem with because I feel like it's chasing a non-existent audience. And that's something we've talked about on other shows on this channel where um, Marvel and, and DC both, they seem to be in hunt of the elusive new reader, and they go about it in the most dunderheaded sort of way here. They, they try to appeal to folks who don't want to read comics by putting stuff they think they want in comics into comics. <laughs> and it just doesn't seem like a uh, very uh, fruitful outcome has ever come out of something like that. I'm sure exceptions exist, but I don't know. I'm just not very confident about this. And, I mean, there there's like no subtlety in this writing. So I'm guessing if that is the direction we're headed, it will be done with very little subtlety. Uh, we're going to be hit over the head with anvils and hammers and every sort of blunt object until we... Uh, Either submit or <laughs> abandon the project. Now, I, we won't abandon the project. We will keep going here, and we will try to be optimistic. I know we are headed into the legacy numbering eventually. Hopefully that'll see some sort of a return to form. And like I said, there is going to be some fan service here. I think I saw M on the cover. I think I saw Husk on a cover. So maybe we'll uh, we'll get some of that old Generation X feeling um, back into this book here. But as as we stand two issues in, not a fan. Not a fan at all. And rather than repeat myself for the next ten minutes, I think I will just cut it off here. <laughs> um, I look forward to your thoughts. Uh, those of you who are following along, uh, please let me know what you thought of this volume of Generation X. Let me know if you thought it improved as it went along. Let me know if you uh, read it the first time through or if you're just discovering it with me right now. And uh, definitely feel free to reach out. Uh, you could find me and follow me on Twitter if you'd like. I'm at Ace Comics. Or you could shoot me an email over to, where are we? WeirdComicsHistory at gmail.com. That's where we are. You can find blog posts and show notes over at chrisoninfinitearths.com. You can find us on Facebook at 90s X-Men. And you can listen to all the stuff at chrisandreggie.podbean.com. But that'll do it for today. I do apologize for coming across probably a little bit more negative than, than you're all accustomed to. This, just, uh, this, this book just really ain't my flavor, unfortunately. But I guess not all of them have to be. But uh, I would like to thank you all so, so much for sharing a little bit of your day with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll be talking to you again real soon. See ya.